Welcome to the Sooners Extra Podcast, powered by the Oklahoman. The Sooners Extra Podcast, as always, presented by Zaxby's. Satisfy your craving for hand-breaded chicken and fresh-made salads. Stop by your neighborhood Zaxby's today. Or order online at zaxby's.com forward slash podcast. Once again, I'm Ryan Aber here from the Oklahoman, as always, joined by fellow OU beat writer Abby Betterman. And uh, Abby, it's been an eventful week. It sure has. It's... Oh, I guess it's Thursday. I lost track of what day it was for a second. But, no, it's it's been a busy one. Yes, it has. And, uh, you know, normally the day after signing day, uh, the, the week of signing day, all the talk would be focused on this. But with the compressed calendar this year and some news that uh, started percolating really over last weekend but uh, sort of came to a head on Wednesday um, of – possible suspensions for the peach bowl that has been very overshadowed so we'll get to signing day here in a little bit we'll talk a little bit about that but we've got to start off with the suspensions of uh, Ramondre Stevenson uh, Ronnie Perkins and Trajan Bridges there might be a couple others that pop out uh, over the next uh, few days until we get uh, to game time but I, I get the sense that those are the most important names for the Sooners and uh, anybody else would be just really, uh, I don't want to say small guys, but uh, guys that aren't uh, contributing as much on this team. But Abby, what to you out of those suspensions is the one that's the most concerning? You know, I think that um, for me, it's a hard choice between Ronnie Perkins and Ramondre Stevenson. I mean, Perkins has been um, just phenomenal for OU's defense, um, played a really big role up front. But also, Ramondre Stevenson, I mean, at Lincoln Riley made very clear that Kennedy Brooks will be back. But uh, Ramondre <laughs> he Stevenson, he did. <laughs> that he, was a, a great stretch, by the way. If, if uh, you haven't heard it, our Barry Trammell – Asked Lincoln Riley, he said, will, will Kennedy Brooks play? And almost Lincoln Riley sort of stepped over. I listened back to the audio last night, stepped over Barry's question. Actually, you know, let's uh, let's insert the, the audio here. We haven't yes. done that in a while. So let's listen we'll to uh, Barry's you. exchange with Lincoln Riley. Lincoln, is Kennedy Brooks going to play in the Peach Bowl? <coughs> Kennedy and, will play. And yes. uh, Ramon Day Stevenson, will he play also? Uh, Kenny Brooks will play. So that was uh, Lincoln Riley when asked first about Kennedy Brooks and then about Ramondre Stevenson. Pretty well confirmed that uh, as of now, Ramondre Stevenson will not be available in the game. Correct. But, I mean, he um, – Kennedy Brooks has been the main, like, running back for this team this year. But Stevenson has come in and played some – uh, some key key roles. He ran in the touchdown uh, in the big in overtime in the Big Twelve Championship when uh, Brooks got injured, and so you know I think both of those guys are pretty clearly uh, key losses for them. Yeah, I think to me um, they're they're both big time losses, Perkins and uh, and Stevenson. To me, Perkins is probably the one that concerns me a little bit more just because of their what their depth is at that position, mm-hmm. having 
well, one, being, Ronnie Perkins being what he is, which is their best pass rusher and really uh, not a whole lot of guys close to them. Now, it's going to be interesting to see what they do there. Do they, uh, you know, use a guy like does Marcus Stripling play more? Do, do they, you know, go some kind of other route? In my mind, the thing that makes the most sense would be to use Jalen Redmond there. And I know he's bulked up a little bit and added some more uh, size to his frame as he moved inside, but I think Redmond has the ability still to be disruptive off the edge. And if you're going to get to Joe Burrow and and make life difficult for him, then maybe Jalen Redmond's the the best guy to do it with. Yeah, and so so there are some options, but like you say, the depth in in that in that position for for OU just isn't isn't what you'd like if you're going to deal with a situation like this. Yeah, not at all, especially when you're facing uh, the best offensive line in the country, as we mm-hmm. found out uh, on Thursday when. LSU was given the uh, Joe Moore Award, and you know we've heard Bill Beanbow, Oklahoma's offensive line coach, talk recently about how much he respects that award because of the amount of evaluation that they do yes. in getting to that point. So this isn't something that oh they're just the best offense, so they're going to give them the best, uh, you know, anoint them the best offensive line. So. LSU's offensive line is really good, especially in the middle. But it'll be, uh, you know, interesting to see how OU reacts to that because of some of the injuries that they've had. You know, you know, Kenneth Mann going down with an injury, I think, really hurt them. Uh, given this situation, because Mann had actually started one game there and uh, you know performed decently well during his time but at least gave them some depth and they've got some uh, younger guys who are going to have to play big time roles here on a really big time stage yeah definitely um what else what else did you take away from the little bit if nothing really at all that Lincoln said um on Wednesday oh I mean you know, we'll we'll get into some of the signing day stuff and the rest of the, in the other segments, but oh, I'm in on this issue. Oh, on this issue, uh, not a whole lot. It seemed like for the first time that he sort of wanted to say something, almost because he was in a sort of an impossible situation. Because from all accounts, OU is trying to appeal this decision. I don't anticipate the appeal being successful at all. But while that possibility is still out there, you don't want to uh, make this public and sort of throw guys under the bus in a manner. Mm-hmm. So he just sort of had to bite his tongue. And so often Lincoln Riley doesn't say anything about injuries or, or things like that. And, you know, that's that's part of it. I can sort of understand it. But at the same time, I think it's better for them to say something earlier because otherwise the the uh, situation in Atlanta, especially next, uh, gosh, what is it? So Christmas is Wednesday, next Thursday on uh, Media Day. Um, won't be quite as uh, crazy and hectic. I'm sorry, you saying Christmas is Wednesday, really? Like, Is that right? I believe so. It just shocked me because... 
It's I don't getting know. close. You're right. You're right. It's what's what is today? The nineteenth? Yeah, it's six oh, wow. days away. You got wow. your shopping done? No. Oh, I don't either, so Well and and I gotta leave on Sunday, so yeah. I got less time than you do. Good luck. Yeah, so we'll see. But uh, no, I it just was a really tough position. I mm-hmm. thought I, they didn't want to say anything before signing day because you don't want to risk, uh, you know, players that you have committed getting, uh, you know, worried about that and, and uh, maybe getting cold feet because of it. And then you don't want to say anything yesterday for not only the appeal reason that I laid out earlier, but also just – you know, signing day is usually such a day of optimism and everything. Yeah. It was a weird, weird situation. Um, but it's one of those things you got to deal with. And, uh, you know, as I wrote today, Oklahoma isn't a stranger to these kind of situations. We saw Monty Blitzo a couple years ago suspended mm-hmm. for his was a, a performance enhancing drug uh, test, um, which he said was uh, in a sort of a tainted container of uh protein powder Mm -hmm. that one of his teammates had given him. And then, uh, of course, everybody knows, I think, about Brian Bosworth in the uh, mid-'80s getting suspended for really one of the first guys to get suspended for a PED test, for a steroid test, tested positive for anabolic steroids, uh, missed the Orange Bowl that year, and uh, never played for OU again after that. But and then that's the game that he the that the the Orange Bowl that he showed up on the sidelines in the uh, National Communists Against yes. Athletes yes. shirt, which uh, is famous. So um, just a weird weird lead up to the Peach Bowl, but we'll see uh, see how it goes. We're going to come back probably talk a little bit more about the suspension situation. <laughs> Uh, and start to look ahead to the Peach Bowl and also uh, wrap up signing day. But this is the Sooners Extra Podcast presented by Zaxby's. Welcome back to the Sooners Extra Podcast presented by Zaxby's. Once again, I'm Ryan Aber here with Abby Bitterman. And, uh, you know, Abby, we talked a lot about Ronnie Perkins and his suspension's impact, but Ramondre Stevenson, that's going to be a big loss for the Sooners as well. Um, you touched on a little bit his importance there in the Big 12 championship game, but I think in this game it's even, would it be even more important because of what LSU does offensively, you want to try to shorten games. And mm-hmm. Now, Kennedy Brooks has been fantastic, but Ramondre Stevenson seems to be that guy who can sort of uh, grind it out on teams maybe a, a little bit better. And if you know you want to get in a situation where you're grinding it out, holding onto the ball uh, as long as you can, it also might be helpful to have two people who you trust to do that yeah, you can no, you can do it with one for sure, but I think just having two, being able to keep guys a little bit fresher, you know, mix things up a bit more, I think would help. Yeah, no doubt about it. Stevenson's, uh, you know, Stevenson had uh, over a hundred yards twice this year. Of course, those are in South Dakota and Kansas, but 
his carry numbers had been uh, have have gone up here toward the end of the year with uh, what is it twenty four carries over the last four games um, had had fifty yards in in Bedlam had forty eight in the touchdown against uh, Baylor in the Big Twelve title game and Kennedy Brooks is shown a tendency to get banged up a little bit so mm-hmm. you sort of hold your breath and and hope that he's able to stay healthy because he Kennedy Brooks has been fantastic but uh, the depth behind them isn't much right now yeah um I mean you have uh TJ Pledger yeah and, and then and is and that then, the end? Of, is that the end of the list? That's the end of the list as far as scholarship running backs that mm-hmm. are currently there. With Trey Sermon out for the season, Marcus Major, the freshman, out for the season as well with a shoulder injury. So at that point, I think you look to seeing a guy like Jeremiah Hall, a Dimitri Flowers it, situation. Yeah, sort of like what happened up at Iowa State a few years ago. You could see Jeremiah Hall get some carries back there and get some work, and I, I think Hall. A Hall Brooks combination in the backfield would be really interesting, as uh, as you maybe get to get some two back sets, and you wouldn't be able to tell immediately who's going to be getting the ball and who's going to be the lead blocker, as they could both uh, do both those things. I think that's sort of what they lose that they had with Stevenson and Brooks. Mm-hmm. What they lose when TJ Pledger's thrown out there because Pledger isn't going to be a, a lead blocker uh, in one of those situations. Yeah, so I think that, um, you know, you asked before uh, who who is the biggest loss in the suspension issue, and I just think that – I don't know that I'd say one or the other, but I think they're both pretty pretty key for Oklahoma, especially in, in these scenarios that you've talked about against LSU. Specifically. Yeah, so uh, that'll be something interesting to follow. Like I said, hopefully we'll get a little bit better of an idea about it before OU heads down to Atlanta in the Peach Bowl. They'll head down there on uh, Monday, get a chance to talk to Lincoln Riley and uh, a couple players on, on Monday afternoon as well. So um, we'll see what happens. It should be certainly an interesting time there in Atlanta. And, uh, Abby, we also found out that Oklahoma isn't the other one, only one that got some bad news as uh, L- LSU got uh, got a little bit of injury news yesterday as well. Yeah, we found out that LSU running back Clyde Edwards-Hilaire uh, suffered an injury in practice early in the week, and his status for the, the Peach Bowl is up in the air. That would be a big loss for the Tigers as well. I mean, yeah, it sure would, you know. uh with a quarterback like Joe Burrow, I mean, you have to imagine the offense is still going to be in pretty good hands, but uh, Edwards Hilaire has rushed for um, over uh, 1,200 yards so far this season and, you know, just also been important for them. So you have to imagine that if if he isn't able to play, that that'll be a pretty, pretty significant loss. Yeah, and not just what he's able to do on the ground, but he's got about 400 yards receiving. Mm-hmm. And as the year has gone on, he's become a bigger and bigger part of their receiving group. Over the, the, the first, uh, gosh, what was it, 10 games that he played, he only had one game with more than uh, 51 yards receiving. 
over the last three games, though, he, he's had 65, 49, and 61. Mm-hmm. Um, so played a bigger role in in helping Joe Burrow out, and I think that that has helped make LSU's offense even more dynamic. So you take away him, and they've still got some fantastic players. They've still got the best offensive line in college football. They've still got um, best wide the, receiver. the best wide receiver. I know some OU fans would care to differ with that, but uh, Jamar Chase won the Bolitnikoff Award. They they still have the Heisman Trophy winner at quarterback, but uh, got a lot of awards in that offensive room. Yeah, well, that's what happens when you put up numbers like that, as Oklahoma's seen over the last few years. But uh, uh, you know that that would be a big loss for them as well. So we'll see how that affects uh, that this game here coming up. Uh, Ed Orgeron didn't officially say that he, uh, Edward Solaire would miss the game, but that certainly appears the way that uh, things are trending right now. Mm-hmm. What What else, do you Abby, are you really looking forward to with this matchup uh, against LSU? I think I'm really interested to see what this OU defense can do against. Like just in the in the la- in the month of November, the OU defense really like came out in full. I think, and really you saw you saw how much better it could be than la- than it has been in recent years. And I'm kind of interested to see how they do against you know that that highly awarded offense that we were just talking about. Yeah, I think especially a guy like Parnell Motley who'd been uh, who's been really good. Mm-hmm. Over the last part of the season, I think he's going to have to guard Jamar Chase pretty significantly. You know, we'll see if some of those other guys, Jaden Davis, Trey Brown, are able to take steps forward as well because LSU has a pretty deep group of receivers and uh, they can take advantage of you some. So we'll see what happens there. But I think Parnell Motley is a big key. You know, if you if you would have asked me this uh, a week ago. The two keys for Oklahoma defensively, key guys, I would have said Ronnie Perkins, <laughs> Parnell Motley. Well, Ronnie Perkins is gone, so I, I, might, say, uh, I might say Jalen Redmond just mm-hmm. because, like I said, I think he's got the most chance to be disruptive in the backfield, but Motley remains. Uh, I think if Motley has a big game, Oklahoma has a really good chance. If he doesn't, then it becomes much more difficult for them to pull off the upset. Yeah. What are you, what are you looking forward to in this matchup? Oh, you know, that's that's the one that, that pops out to my head. But, you know, other than that, I would probably say looking forward to C.D. Lamb playing against LSU's defenders. I think uh, LSU has a lot of talent in their secondary. They've struggled sometimes defensively. And, and I think this could be a game where C.D. Lamb might have some uh, – might be able to get some big plays – on the Tigers, and if they're able to do that, again, that becomes much more easy for uh, Oklahoma to have some offensive success and to stay in this game. But uh, we'll see what happens. It's getting closer. Uh, we're going to take a quick break there on the Sooners Extra podcast. If We'd really appreciate it if you go to uh, Apple Podcast or wherever you listen to your podcast and shoot us a review. We'd really appreciate that. Once again, this is the Sooners Extra podcast presented by Zaxby's.
Welcome back to the Sooners Extra Podcast presented by Zaxby's. I'm Ryan Aber here with Abby Bitterman again. And Abby, let's get to talking signing day. Finally. Finally. Here. Um, one of the big topics of conversation, and didn't really touch on this, I don't think, in today's Oklahoman, was the compressed recruiting calendar mm-hmm. as it related to signing day. And that was because of just the way the calendar fell this year. The, the the season had two bye weeks instead of just one. Pushed the Big 12 title game back a little bit, which makes the preparation between the Big 12 title game and bowls much, much shorter. But it also compressed uh, their coaches' times on the road yep. to get out and recruit guys. And I think maybe we saw some effect on that yesterday in Oklahoma signing class. Yeah, I mean, they signed 21 they have one more uh one more player committed committed right now but who hasn't signed and according to rivals yeah, they're the defensive end Reggie Grimes yes. and according to rivals they're they're number 12 right now so you know doesn't sound like it would be that disappointing but when you look at the fact that um uh longtime commit Jace McClellan flipped um and just things like that, you know, maybe not exactly the result OU was hoping for. Yeah, I, I think that's fair to say now. Uh, yeah, Jace McClellan, that's going to be something interesting to watch as we move into the, the February signing period. And then uh, obviously they'll be out there looking for graduate transfers and other transfers there. I think running back's a position where they could try to go out and get another guy because – with the depth of what it is at that spot right now with uh, Kennedy Brooks, who, you know, is at least eligible uh, to, to head out after this year, after redshirting his first year. So he's a draft-eligible sophomore. And, and, you know, Trey Sermon, who I think a lot of people would sort of expect to do that, although I think with his injury it makes it a little bit uh, more uh, likely that he would come back. So they they've there's there's some depth issues that they need to address at that position in particular. But OU did pick up uh, uh, three defensive backs that were that were undecided going into the day. Yeah, I think that's the positive that that came out of it is the way that they were able to close with some of these DBs and um, uh, uh, get some of those guys, especially uh, the JUCO kid, the last one of the last kids that they got to be able to uh, close with those guys and, and bring them in. I think these guys fit the mold of what Alex Grinch wants in a secondary. When you look at uh, their height and weight and speed, you know, the last two guys that they got yesterday, uh, Justin Harrington, who is a, a 6'3", 210-pound safety out of junior college, uh, watched a little bit of film on him, a really fast, fast guy. So fits into that speed D mold. Uh, Joshua Eaton, the guy, another guy that they got late in the day, the the uh, cornerback out of uh, Texas, who was six two, um, and then some of those guys that they had had uh, committed for a while. Bryson Washington, I think, is a big one at at uh, six three, one hundred ninety two pounds. Um, that that really is a prototypical Alex Grinch defensive back back there and 
Alex French has talked a lot about their uh, problems as far as depth goes in the secondary. And uh, it looks like they've addressed that. We'll see how quickly those guys can get on the field. But that's a big difference. You know, we talk about height and weight. Right now, looking at OU's depth chart, in the secondary, the tallest guy in the depth chart, who do you think it is? Um, and we're talking the two slash three deep. Ev- everyone's usually, like, taller than me, so it's really hard for me to, like, judge heights. Um, well, okay. I'm going to say, well, let's just – yeah, give me give me a hint. We'll just well we'll just lay it out like this. There's only two guys out of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, out of ten on their uh two deep in their secondary that are taller than me. How tall are you? Five eleven. Oh. Well, like almost everyone they recruited is taller than five eleven. <laughs> um let's see. Uh I don't. Uh, well, well, how tall is Parnell Motley? Yeah, Parnell Motley is six feet, six foot. Okay. Even. So Parnell Motley at, at six foot even, and then uh, Chance Sylvie, who plays oh. virtually none, is also at six foot. Everybody else has a five in their height. He sat in front of me in capstone. I should have guessed that. You really should have. It's disappointing, but. Delarian Turner Yell, five foot ten. Pat Fields, five eleven. Justin Burwells, five foot ten. Trey Brown, five foot ten. Jaden Davis, five foot ten. Brennan Radley Hiles, five foot nine. I mean, that's a big difference. Uh seeing, you know, three and four more inches on these guys mm-hmm. than what they've had because the guys that they brought in, you know, Justin Harrington, six three, Joshua Eaton, six foot two, uh, Kendall Dennis, another uh, signing day guy. Um that they were able to get so big clothes on the back end for them. He was he is on the smaller side. The the uh, the cornerback from Florida is only five eleven. But uh, let's see. And then I mentioned Bryson Washington being six foot three. So um, that was a, a point of emphasis for them on the back end of their defense. On the front end, they needed guys who could go in there and contribute really quickly. And they got that with uh, one of the first guys that they were able to, to snag defensively in Perry and Winfrey, the number one JUCO-related rated uh, player in the 2020 class, and then uh, late being able to add Joshua Ellison uh, out of uh, – was he from Trinity, I think? One Blinn of the Texas Community oh, Blinn. College. Blinn. Uh, I get Blinn and Trinity confused sometimes. Uh of course, some OU fans might be having some flashbacks me talking about a JUCO defensive tackle from Trinity because the last one that they brought in did not work out well at all. A guy named Quincy Russell, who I think everybody thought was going to be their savior on the defensive line, and then he was uh, virtually didn't play at all, and then he was gone by the time that his second year rolled around. So, But Joshua Ellison and Perry and Winfrey, I think those were two really big lands. And also, I think it's going to be big for them to uh, get Reggie Grimes if they're able to hold on to him. Although it seems like, from everything that I've been told, that uh, Reggie Grimes is a guy who's going to sign in February. He just had some some things pop up that uh, weren't expected yesterday mm-hmm. that uh, made him decide to hold off on signing, but they had nothing to do with OU. Mm-hmm. Um. 
and you you'd have to think right you know that the the four guys that they got to commit and sign in the last uh three or four days um that has that has to be doing big part to Alex Grinch and you know kind of the things we've heard about him as a recruiter right and kind of specifically I guess what jumps into my mind is something that uh Brendan Walker told me uh Brendan Walker from Bishop McGinnis that um you know everything that Alex Grinch had told him about what he was going to do with this defense when he when he joined the staff uh when like what January has come has come true basically and kind of also like what you wrote about yesterday and what Alex Grinch talked about that uh you know before he was just he was selling something without having the proof and now now he has the evidence to back it up yeah there's uh no doubt about that you know I thought one of the areas of concern recruiting wise for the Sooners yesterday was at linebacker mm-hmm. only getting a couple uh Shane Witter who uh had committed uh, last month a three-star kid from North Carolina who uh believe is an outside linebacker and then uh the the other linebacker that they're bringing in is uh, uh, Brennan Walker, mm-hmm. of course, from McGinnis, a, a three-star kid who I think a lot of people really like, but he's an outside guy as well. So um, I think that's a spot where you could see some guys maybe get added in this uh, this class in February if they want to add one or two and also maybe explore the transfer market there because they're going to lose – uh, likely to lose Kenneth Murray after this year. And although they've got some young guys that are really, really talented, you want to bring in some more bodies to have just in case you have injuries and also looking toward the future. Yeah, and, and Lincoln Riley said yesterday during his press conference that that there was more to come. So don't know exactly, you know, what positions that may be at because well, there are a few you could sit here and say might be good to – have more there but or maybe you know he was just talking about those late in the day announcements yeah because what was it kendall dennis announced while we were in in kendall De- yes weekend. uh and then yes. Uh, joshua eaton and justin harrington came just a little bit later so but they still got room to add so yeah they do they still got a couple more spots so we'll see what happens there but we're gonna wrap it up there with the sooners extra podcast thank you so much for listening you can check out our work every day at oklahoman.com and every morning in the oklahoman for the best ou coverage anywhere uh abby where can people find you at oh they can find me on twitter at abby underscore bitterman and through email a bitterman at the oklahoman.com yeah and uh you can find me on twitter at r-y-a-b-e-r through email r-a-b-e-r at oklahoman.com once again the sooners extra podcast is presented by zaxby's satisfy your craving for hand breaded chicken and fresh made salads stop by your neighborhood zaxby's today or order online at zaxby's.com forward slash podcast thank you so much for joining us you can check out uh, a new episode of the sooners extra podcast hopefully early next week from atlanta georgia thank you so much have a good day have a great week